Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 9, powered by Huddle Analysis. Offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. This week, we're going to chat about, right off the top of the Carolina Hurricanes prospects, we're happy to bring in their assistant general manager, Darren York. Darren, thanks for coming on the show again. Brad and I always appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So we didn't get a chance to really chat with you a little bit after the draft, but not much in terms of your draft picks, particularly, you know, your first and second round picks. So let's start off with Bradley Nadeau and thoughts on him. You know, what you saw from him, particularly obviously with the Penticton V's and he had a monstrous offensive season in the BC Hockey League. I think he had somewhere between like, I think he had 148 points. So in about 71 games. So it's a little bit ridiculous in terms of his offensive output, but what has impressed me so far, and I caught a game, a couple of games of his, uh, one particularly against Boston University, thoughts on him at the University of Maine and how he's made that transition into college hockey. Because sometimes for freshmen, it's a little bit of a hiccup, particularly if you're a skilled player and you realize that, you know, some of the guys are a little bit built bigger, older, faster, although the BC Hockey League does have its share of big, fast and older players as well. Yeah, the, his transition has been seamless and little maybe a little bit unexpected just how quick he's been able to take his exact same game that he played in and Penticton and transition it to to the NCAA like it's it's a big jump no disrespect to the BCHL it's a it's a hell of a development league but it is a big jump from the BCHL to the NCAA and dealing with you know less time and space and all Brad has been able to do is is match the challenge so we're we're incredibly impressed with with him uh, and how he's able to to take this next challenge and and really flourish. But Darren, just to touch up on that, I feel like one thing when it comes to the VCHL and he's such a he's on such a dominant team is there's so much experimentation they can get away with. Uh, how do you how do you feel he's done in terms of reining in the experimentation at the college level that he's not afforded to, and how how do you feel he streamlined his game in the right ways? Honestly, it's been very similar. Like all the positives that he showed in Penticton, he's showing in in Pent- in um, in Maine. Like he obviously, you you think of him, you think of the the shot and the goals, and he's been able to to follow that up with seven in in ten games with with Maine. But it's also the playmaking. I think that's where maybe as a as a draft eligible player, he might not have got the respect he deserved with being able to show vision, uh, especially under pressure because of maybe you want to downgrade the the league and the competition that he was playing against. But some of the games that that he's played with this season, his his playmaking has been as impressive as his as his goal scoring. And being able to do that, um, you know, I know you guys referenced the the BU game, being able to do that against other top tier NHL prospects when time and space is at a premium has has been impressive. Uh, so you add the goal scoring ability, you add the playmaking ability, and now you have this relentless motor that he again showed in Penticton and it's traveled with him to, to Maine. You have 
you know, multiple NHL assets that we're, we're excited that he's been able to, to showcase once he's graduated from the, the BCHL. Darren, does that show a level of not only mental maturity, but his ability tactically to see what's in front of him and there's an opportunity to take advantage of a situation and there's always a time that you sit back and you calculate the situation and then come back, retreat, and then go at it again and look for players' habits that you can exploit. Is that something about his game that you think has been seamless as well? Yeah, obviously they're they're playing different systems uh, in Maine than they were in in Pictic. and he's he's been able to adjust some of those tactics and, and getting a little bit quicker to the boards and making sure that he's an he's an option for their D to get out. You know, with with possession, a um, little bit more stopping starting in comparison to the bigger loops. I guess he would have been taken in Penticton, but in terms of being able to to recognize situations and process what he's seeing, and then quickly get to his next his uh, his next read is more the instincts and the the hockey sense that he was able to to show. And it's just now everything's happening quicker, and he he's just adapted. Uh, it's, it's really just the, the sense and the hockey reading ability, uh, using his body, processing that information, and then quickly getting onto the next read that he's been able to adapt so quickly. Let's talk about Felix Unger-Sorum. He's a player that both Brad and I talked a lot about going into the draft. And from my perspective, I thought he was really, he's a nifty playmaker who is deceptive, creates time and space, not only for himself but for his teammates and he's actually quite, I thought he's quite adept to actually playing in small areas, you know, although, you know, he plays in a bit bigger ice surface. I think he can adapt to a smaller ice surface because of a smaller, smaller, smaller ice game. And he's not the biggest guy and he does it quite effectively uh, thoughts on him and how he's transitioned from really, you know, mostly playing ju- junior 20 to now fully playing in the SHL. Yeah, he's been amazing. Um, no way to to sugarcoat it. He he played like you alluded to. He played junior hockey. He came over, played in the rookie tournament, and then he played in preseason games. Uh, say what you want about you know sometimes the the caliber of a preseason NHL game, but it's NHL players. And with him running a power play, you know, with us in the preseason, it was big time hockey. He's able to to. To keep a player that is bigger, stronger, or older than him on his back hip, no, no worry about it. He's able to then to hit the seam pass. He's not, he's not timid. He's not scared. He'll, he doesn't shy away. His transition from, you know, I guess we can say a year ago today, uh, going back to the U18s in in Plymouth um, in in November, and the transition and uh, the development curve that he's been on has been incredibly steep. So. We're, we're thrilled. Um, he's barely 18 years old, so there's a lot of a lot of growth for for him, and we're excited that we were able to select him 62 overall last year. One thing that was really interesting about this player for Madero is that you, you look at the skill set, look at his hockey sense, and it, you know it's incredible. It's A rated in both the counts, but then I think the worry in his draft year was the toolkit. And it was, it was my concern for sure was the toolkit, not the biggest kid, not the most explosive kid. How is he physically matured and where are you with his skating? Are you, are you comfortable with where, where he's uh, projecting to be now? Yeah, he's, he's gained weight since, um, 
since he probably right when he drafted him um, because of the numbers that we were able to get from development camp and then, uh, and then training camp, the skating is not a concern. Like it's the challenge I think at times is evaluating skating when you're playing a, a different system. So again, he has to play what he's uh, what he's being taught in, in Lexan and with the, the Sweden national teams. And it's a little bit more passive. We play as about as aggressive as as possible in in the NHL, and you have to be able to skate. And he did not look slow, so we're we're watching him in you know in the preseason. We're watching him in in our rookie tournament, and we're we're almost questioning where. And granted, I watched it. I had some questions on the skating, but now you put him in an aggressive system, and the pace is is fine there. He's able to lead the rush. He's able to catch up back. He's able to use his edges down low and create and create separation. So when we're evaluating him against, you know, other AHL or NHL players, and he's been able to, to hold up, we're, we're not really concerned with the skating moving forward. On top of that, he's, he was just turned 18 on September 14th. So one of the youngest players in the draft. And now if you really evaluate him against this year's draft class, that makes it a little bit more even scale for, for him compared to last year. It's interesting that you brought that up. I'm glad you did. It's a conversation we have in the show often about understanding the environment a player is currently playing in and then potentially where he's going to play post post draft and how much that impacts the evaluation of what you see that player at that time. And Brad and I have both admitted to each other like off air. We've been caught in those situations where there's a bit of a misevaluation because we didn't put enough emphasis or weight on the tactical environment he's playing and what the coach is asking to do. It's no blame against the coach. He's got a, you know, he has a whole roster of players that he has to consider, not just that prospect. So I'm glad you brought that up, Darren, in that respect, because it just, it helps everybody, like especially our listeners who are not scouts to look at players a little bit differently in terms of just a reminder of like the environment, that they're playing in and how much that can impact how you evaluate them in that respect. And sometimes you get it incorrectly, Uh, but we're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio. We'll be back right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. 
through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Darren York, Assistant General Manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, about some prospects within their system. Darren, I want to ask you about an intriguing defenseman that you have in your system, Scott Morrow. What I th- found really interesting about him specifically, obviously he's got the toolkit and he was just coming out of Shattuck St. Mary's, which is a really good prep school, but it's still a prep school and trying to, va- I have a harder time evaluating players going out of prep because I just don't see prep live often enough to feel comfortable about making that strong evaluation. So I was always uncertain about, okay, what, how is he going to transition into UMass, you know, in a really tough conference in hockey East? Well, his freshman season proved it. Sophomore season proved it. Now he's into his junior season and he's developing, you know, size wise in terms of starting to get some man strength. Talk about his continued develop at UMass because I don't know if there's any if there's anything else he can really learn at the college level past this season. And I'm intrigued to see what he does at the next level already. I'm kind of yeah. jumping ahead. Yeah, I think you alluded to it. It's a little, it can be a little bit challenging um, for these incredibly gifted athletes when they're playing prep school hockey. Like, I don't know if you guys are Seinfeld fans, but it's almost like Kramer when he's in the karate class against, you know, 10 year old kids, you know, and I'm trying to be, you know, as respectful as I can in terms of the competition, but Scott was just on another level. But that jump for, for him going from, you know, prep school to U.S., to to NCAA maybe a bigger jump than when he makes his his next challenge to, to play pro hockey and the ability to to adjust to that level at, at UMass and make it as seamless as possible is is impressive so every year you know we've challenged Scott Scotty to to do a little bit more to get a little bit better and a offensively he's he's added you know more deception more layers to his game he's worked on his skating he's able to to make some of those forwards really give up a ton of space once he's in the offensive offensive zone and getting used to his edges. And now he's defending a little bit, you know, tighter skating forwards and flushing guys down to the wall and sealing and ending plays. So we've been um, really excited to, to see the development uh, from Scott at, at UMass over the past, you know, two and a half, uh, two and a half seasons. Darren, would you say the defining feature of this player is how assertive he is? I feel like it, it, he blew me away in terms of, is you, you mentioned, you talk about what he looked like when he was 
when he was uh, in high school. And then you look at the curve and like just even his first season of college, let alone this one, it's just I felt like no matter what, no matter like, he always has his confidence. He's just always so assertive. Is that is that basically how you define define him or his defining future? Yeah, like I think it's his he's elite when it comes to creating offense. And I think where, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, it's always good to get little check-ins and, and get an understanding. And it makes it a little bit easier, I guess, if you draft players that um, go to college because you're, you see them at a lower level in the draft year. And then they get, you know, that next check-in at NCAA, when you draft a CHL player, the next check-in isn't in the CHL. And that's just, just the rules. So we're, we're able with, with Scott to see, you know, another a tougher level and a tougher challenge. And he was able to to answer that bell pretty quickly when he got to his, uh, his first year in, in college and every year it's been, it's been impressive. So to, to your point, I guess a long-winded answer is he he's just incredibly elite when it comes to creating offense and being able to, to get the puck and just make other players miss. Darren, does he fit? your style almost perfectly. You're a Carolina Hurricanes, very aggressive, very assertive team, which forces the opposition. If you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with great plays. And if you beat us with great plays, so be it. You beat us with a great play. That's sometimes going to happen, but we're going to force you to make bad decisions. Does he fit that mold where he's just so assertive, sometimes aggressive, you know, in the offensive zone, but even in the defensive zone as well, where he's going to try some things that, you know, he and recoup and think, well, maybe I shouldn't have probably did that, but you know, it's worth the risk. Yeah. I think any, any, yes. Um, and then any team that wants to be able to expand the offensive zone and, and allow players to, to get freedom and you're not putting them into certain dif- different lanes, like he's able to create a lot of deception, a lot of confusion. Uh, so when we get going into basically a five man cycle with all this different movement, the way Scott skates, the way he sees the ice, the way he can shoot, the way he can make you miss in one-on-one moves, it it's going to be hard to to defend. And then you have four other players that are all incredibly skilled players too. So we're we're looking forward to to continue to to watch uh, Scott and and can't wait for the the opportunity when he gets put on that Carolina Hurricanes jersey. Let's talk about Alexi Himosami. What I find interesting about his development, and you have to remind yourself he's only 20, this is his third year in Liga, in the Finnish Elite League, for Asat and for a young player to, you know, before he even heads comes over to North America, he's going to have 130, 140 games in Liga before he comes over. How much do you think that's going to benefit him of making that transition to the American Hockey League, just being comfortable in the pro environment? and not having to think about what how he needs to prepare as a professional. Yeah, I think that on yes, uh being able to to understand what a pro schedule is and in what you need to do to uh, to be ready to play uh, as many games as they do and then getting into the to the AHL and NHL season when the schedule is a little bit more uh compact. So he he's been able to check that box. Also being able to to play against bigger, stronger players rather than playing, you know, again, junior players and then having to adjust to dealing with with players that are much bigger than than he is. Uh we we got the opportunity to to get him into our rookie tournament this season. Um obviously we ran into some hiccups with our AHL situation, so that allowed us to to loan him back to 
uh, Tuasaw, a place where he's we, where he's comfortable. But getting him over to um, getting him over here for for rookie tournament allowed us to start teaching him some of the finer points of how we want to play. And he fits the mold with how well he skates. Uh, and we think once he's able to to come over to North America full time, the transition to playing fast defensively, um, which is completely opposite. Again, that's just how they play. It works for for Assad in the bigger ice, but we'll we'll teach him a almost a completely different style of, of defense once he once he comes over here. When looking at his offense, do you feel it's still untapped do you feel that there's there's possibly more there as a pro as he continues to develop yeah again i know and i think we touched on this with a couple other guys here talking about different systems and and how assad is being asked him to play it's it's just a different style than what we ask our our defensemen and how we ask our defensemen to play so it should allow him to look a little bit more like he was when he was playing for the Finnish national team during his draft year with a little bit more freedom, a little bit more aggressiveness. Um, you guys know how we play. We want our D up in the, up in the play. Uh, when they get into the offensive zone, we're not restricting them and how far they can, can jump down. Uh, when they're defending, we want them to ambush. We want them to be aggressive. And that really suits uh, the skill set that, that Alexi has. Darren, in, in terms of, not only how you guys play and then how he, you know, his, his potential play of coming over. Do you think it's going to be an easier transition for him coming into the NHL? Because the players in the NHL are so consistent of where they are supposed to be. It makes it easier for him to not have to think and just make plays just to be able to read the play and understand what options are best to him. And, you know, trusting that his options are going to be there at the right place at the right time. Yeah, from what I've been told from guys that play in the NHL, when it's it is a little bit easier at times when you, when you're surrounded with guys that are in the right spots and they know exactly where to be and what your first look is. It is going to be an adjustment for for him coming over to to North America just because of the different style that we play. Uh, but he's he's been exposed to it uh, with training camp and. And uh, rookie turn, he's a smart kid, uh, so it, it should be a tr uh, an easier transition. But the style that they play in Assad is is just different than than how we ask our players to play. It certainly doesn't hurt because you guys have a bunch of Finns on your roster that he has, you know, countrymen that he can lean on and ask questions with on a regular basis. Yeah, we we seem to uh, to like our finish our finish draft picks and, and getting guys that have been comfortable, and we got a. You know, he, he's played with the World Junior Team, um, Billy Koivinen, that will be coming over next year as well. So it, this won't be a new and, you know, more challenging transition when he's not um, coming over to North America for the first time with, with guys that are also in the same boat that can speak the same language. And then he can obviously talk to our uh, NHL guys that have uh, been around here for a long time. Darren, want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Great insight of your prospects. Good luck through the rest of the season. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Darren York. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. 
Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're now going to talk about the San Jose Sharks prospects with Todd Marchant, the Director of Player Development. Todd, thanks for coming on the show again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Let's uh, chat about your first round pick well, your first round picks uh, from last year. We haven't got really a, a chance to chat with you, but your thoughts about, we'll start off with Will Smith, who's at Boston College. I know you're going to get a chance to see him play again and not terribly surprised from my end how quickly his transition was going to be. I think particularly offensively from that standpoint, because he's such a dynamic offensive player and hockey sense. And I know it's it's always a challenge for kids coming out of junior to, or or high school to make that jump into college hockey. But I think from an offensive standpoint, I think it's been pretty seamless for him. And it certainly doesn't help that you got your two buddies with you too. I mean, you couldn't have better continuity from that standpoint. And how much do you think that's helped him? And in any way, is that a detriment in terms of, because at some point they're going to have to get split up. They're going to have to go their separate ways unless you can convince Mike to trade for the other two guys. I think when you're talking about players with uh, the calibers of a, of a Will Smith and the high-end talent, the transitions um, are become a little bit less difficult. I mean, hit, you mentioned his hockey sense is off the charts. And when you are a smart hockey player, you're going to be able to navigate uh, your way around the rink. And then you add the familiarity with Leonard and Perot, two players that he played with at the U.S. National Development Team. Um, it just makes this, the, the transition that much easier. And I, I give 
I give Coach Brown a lot of credit uh, early in the season. He he protected those guys a little bit, um, didn't put them out in a lot of tough situations in the defensive zone, um, specifically early. And then when it came time for the power play, he just let them go. It's like, let I'm going to let you guys do what you do best. And, you know, I saw Will uh, against Michigan State uh, on a Thursday night uh, last month, and that they, it was out, it was outstanding. I mean, it was like he could have he had three points in the game, and I told him after the game, I think he could have had eight, and that's not being, that's not exaggerating. I mean, they, he had Gabe Perot had two tap in backdoor passes from Will that he just missed. He healed one, and the other one just went off the toe. And, you know, and, and you can just, when you talk to these players, the players of this caliber, they, they get it. They understand. I mean, they, they, they know what they need to work on. It's just, we're just there to help in that process. When you look at his development, how do you find he's transitioning off the puck? There was, I'd say arguably from a scouting perspective, that was kind of, that was kind of his shortcoming last year, obviously incredible dynamic talent, so much offensive ability, but there were times where, although he could pick pocket players from behind and back check successfully, his positional awareness and his ability to understand exactly how to support his defense was kind of hit and miss. Where are you in terms of his development from, from the off the puck and defensive standpoint? Yeah. And that's going to, it's going to be a, a, a challenge for every young player, you know, and, at every level that they go up, they have to understand that they're not going to be able to get away with what they got away with the year, the, the level before. And it's no different from a player that leaves college or junior that goes to the American League. And they say, you know, they go behind the net and they're in the offensive zone. They throw a puck up blindly behind the net. Well, I did that last year. Well, you can't do that this year because, you know, and then you go to the next level. You do it against Edmonton. You give McDavid that kind of time. Guess what? You're going to pick it out of your net and you're going to be sitting on the bench. So it's one of those processes. He is definitely paid attention to the details of the game. You know, we've asked him to um, be more responsible defensively, be on the right side of the puck, be that guy that supports him underneath the puck, as opposed to being above the puck, as well as face-offs. You know, he's really digging in and 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 trying to become better at that part of the game, because if you're going to play center in the National Hockey League, you got to bear down on those details. How much does it help him in terms of playing at the program? Because at the program, you're afforded to play against college players. And, Junior teams in obviously in Canada or, or in the U.S. and U.S. National you know, USHL or you know North American Hockey League, you're not afforded that. How much does that help him recognize? Oh, this is what I'm in for. I better be mentally prepared for this. It's and it's a different game. I, I, I hate to say that, but it is. You go watch. I just I watched two OHL games back to back, and then you go watch a college game, and the intensity is totally different. Right. The junior kids are playing 60, 70 games a year, whereas the college kids are playing 30, 35. So the intensity is different. And I, I for for young players, I it, it, it doesn't some players, it's better to be in one situation. And some players, it's better to be in another. And for Will, having the opportunity to play, you know, college hockey, play it at a high, a, a very good program uh, tradition. Um, they have a good team again this year. Uh, but also to have to play that high intensity every single night of every game that you play um, only is going to enhance his um, his development. Let's talk about Quentin Musty, your other first round pick this year as well. And big strapping kid, 6'2", well over 200 pounds. And I wouldn't want to pay that kid's grocery bill. Thoughts on, you know, he had a, an excellent offensive season last year for Sudbury. And this year seems to be obviously no different. He already has 23 points in 14 games. So, Points are not going to be an issue for him as he transitions through. He seems to be a player that finds ways to get points because he plays in those greasy areas. 
what are the other parts of his game that you want to see him continue to develop, knowing that when he makes that transition to the American Hockey League, that yes, you're going to be probably a big and strong kid, but there's some other areas that you're going to have to, you know, improve upon so that you can t- use those skills effectively. Yeah, I just saw him back-to-back games. I, I saw him on Sunday in Oshawa. Um, he had a, a very good game. He had two goals and an assist. And then I saw him last night again against Peterborough and where they lost 5-3, but he had a goal uh, net front. And you're right. Q has all the offensive instincts, all the offensive uh, talent in the world, uh, has a great shot. He's got great vision. Um, he can play a big man's game when he wants to. And that would be the one thing And I talked to him about it on Saturday night after two goals and an assist. I said, I need you to be more competitive. I need you to compete harder every shift, not just when your team has the puck or when you're going offensively. And, and he understands it. He does. He gets it. It's just that a lot of times when you're in a junior environment like him and they're lined with Dvorsky and Goyette, uh, they're responsible for the offense for Sudbury. And they're going to play 25-plus minutes every night. So what I've said to him is that I'm not expecting it every shift. I'm not expecting you to go through the wall every every shift against, you know, when you're playing. But I need to see some of it. And, you know, last night I saw two examples where, you know, he got mad, where things weren't going their way, and he, you know, went out and made an impact uh, physically. So it's one of those things where when he turns pro, eventually, you know what, he's going to have to find ways that – I'm not going to score every night. I'm probably not. Very, very few players do. But how do I make a contribution so that I can help my team have a chance to win the game? From a development perspective, how do you deal with a player who has a bit of an off-on switch? I think it's just the message has to be consistent. You know, I, I have a I have a great staff that I work with. Uh, Tommy Wingles is uh, with us, Lucas Spiza, and we're out seeing these kids con- uh, constantly. I mean. Um, and the message has to be the same. You know, I'm I'm going to have a Zoom call with Q here later on, and, and we're going to talk about the same things that that uh, we talked about the, after the game on Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's just about consistency so that they understand that it doesn't change from person to person or game to game. Um, you know, to, to play in the National Hockey, to be a, a top player on your team, you have to come to play every night. You can't take a night or a period or a shift you can't take it off. Like this is the this is the best league in the world, and every level they go up, that's where they learn that process. You know, the next step is the American Hockey League, and how do you navigate a game in late December where you've been traveling and you you have to you know play a game in, in the afternoon? You got to find a way to get your game ready, get your body uh, up, so that you can help your team have a chance to win. Is that just a matter of explaining to them? Is like, don't worry about the results this is all process oriented. And I know you get, you can get kind of beat the drum over and over again, but sometimes you can get caught looking at what the potential results are, which, you know, takes away from you actually focusing on the things you need to do in the process to get those results. That'll just come anyway. Yeah. I mean, right now for, for some, a lot of these players, it's about points, right? They, they think that I put, you know, put up three, four points a game or two points a game. I'm doing my job. And, th- and that's not wrong. That part of it is important. Um, but we talk about being hard to play against. What is being hard to play against? It might be blocking a shot. It might be getting on the puck first. It might be tracking back after a turnover. It might be shortening your shift because you're tired. Whatever it is, that might be hard. We want players that are hard to play against. And it's not just about 
going out and crushing a guy against the boards or, you know, putting up four points every night. There's there's so many details of the game that can make you hard to play against and make you a valuable per, per, person uh, on, in our organization. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back and brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're continuing to talk about the San Jose Sharks prospects with Director of Player Development, Todd Marchant. Todd, I want to get your thoughts on Philip Bystad. I found it really interesting when I was at the World Juniors and people knew about Philip, but they didn't really know about him because they didn't really see him. And then he just shot out of a cannon for a lot of the tournament. And they were just like, who's this kid? I mean, you mean you probably should have just listened to the show and Brad and I would have told you like, cause we were talking about him all year long. Uh, talk about that, that tournament for him and how much of a, a launch pad that was for him and his development, just feeling better about himself in terms of, Oh, I can be a man, the man in this situation and just take over if I have to. And I know that I can do it. Yeah, that was kind of his coming out party. And I think that I think where you see Phillips uh, value and the type of player that he can be is when he does play at his own age group. You know, um, you know, last year at the World Juniors, um, 
you know, this year at the U twenties, uh, again, in the five nations, he, you know, he played, had a great tournament. I think he had five goals in six games or whatever. He's just one of those quiet players that just goes about his business. And when he plays over in the SHL, you know, he's playing against the men, which he still has a lot of success um, over there, but um, not to the same extent that he does against his own age group. So I think that he's a quiet kid. Um, he's not a, you know, real talkative type of guy. He's big, he's strong. He's got a great stride. Um, you know, he's has to work on his game off the ice a little bit. That's one area that, that he knows that he needs to improve on uh, in order for him to take the next step in his development. But all the tools are there. Um, you know, we're really happy that uh, uh, we were able to get him signed last year and, you know, put him back in, in the SHL for, uh, for another season um, and looking forward to him, uh, you know, eventually making his way, you know, and hopefully leading Sweden this year uh, to a, a real good tournament uh, at the World Juniors. Charlie, you mentioned the, the toolkit, the skating, nifty hands for a big man can do some remarkable, remarkable plays from time to time. But last time I talked to you, I remember one thing that you were really looking forward, uh, looking forward to seeing his development was his inside driven game. That was the one area in, in, in draft year specifically. That was one thing that I was very worried about was there was too much perimeter for such talented, bigger player. Uh, how are you finding him in terms of his development when it comes to just carving through traffic or getting around that net area and beco becoming more dangerous. Yeah, it's definitely improved. Um, you know, he, he's a, he listens to what we have to say to him. He's not a, a yes, but person. He's a yes. And uh, he, he's willing to learn. He's willing to get better. And like I said, he's just young and raw. He's like a, a ball of clay that, that needs to be molded. And um, you know, we're being very patient with him. That's why we, we allowed him to, to go back and, and play another year in, in Lin Chaping. Um, he's got a good situation there. He's from there. His good putty, uh, the other draft, our other draft pick, Matias Havlet is there. So um, we're really looking forward to uh, eventually getting him over to North America and and see what he can do on the on the small rink. It's a it's a big adjustment for those guys. They have a lot less time and space, but with his size, um, I think getting into the trenches a little bit um, in, in pro hockey over here will only um, allow him to have even more success. Would it be different if he was playing in North America? Uh, and not having to play against men in terms of that playing a more inside game. One, it's a smaller rink, but two, he's against his peer group again, you know, and sometimes we forget that they're 18 and 19 years of age playing against, you know, 25 to 32 year old men. And sometimes you defer a little bit in that respect, or, you know, you don't think you could pull it off against bigger, stronger, faster players. Yeah. I think that, that that's a valid point. I mean, you know what, you, you don't really, it's just such a big, such a tough transition for young players. And, you know, we have a, um, not to get off topic, but we had a, a second round pick from uh, this year, uh, Heltonen, who's playing in London. And you know what, he's having to understand that you don't have as much time and space with the puck. And so, you know, I had uh, Ricard Raquel who came over to Plymouth um, and, and when I was with Anaheim. So these players, um, until they get here, they won't understand, um, you know, unless they're playing in some of the international competitions where they're playing on a small rink. But we saw Philip have success in Halifax and uh, the World Juniors on a small rink. So I think it's there. It's just that, um, you know, we need to see more of it uh, on a consistent basis. I want to ask you about Cameron Lund and, you know, his going into his second year with Northeastern, you know, again, playing in a, a really tough conference. I, I like when the players 
you know, are in that conference because it's highly, highly competitive. And he's a big kid at 6'2 and close to 200 pounds. And he seemed to be drafting a lot of right-handed shots as well. Thoughts on his transition from his, his freshman year into through his sophomore? Yeah, so Kim um, had, you know, kind of an up and down freshman year. Like early on, he was having a lot of success and they had a really good team. And then, you know, he kind of bounced around the lineup. But we really felt like, um, you know, it, it, this was going to be a year for him to take the next step. Um, unfortunately for him and for that team, they've gotten off to a bad start. They lo- they've lost a lot of players. I mean, they've I think it was seven or eight, you know, key players from last season are not there this year. So they're a younger team. You know, they're struggling in Hockey East right now. But uh, I saw Cam earlier this year. And, you know, the two things that we asked him to be better at was to shoot the puck more and to be better along the walls in his own zone. And the game that I saw, he didn't have a point, but he had 10 shot attempts, six on net. on And every time, uh, I think it was like 75% of the time the puck came around him, he got the puck out. So when I spoke to him after the game, it was, he was frustrated because the team didn't win. I said, I go, well, what if we ask you to work on? Well, we ask you to shoot the puck more and we ask you to get the puck out. And I go, did you do that? And he's like, yeah. So for me, he has developed. He And he has developed off the ice. He is a much bigger, stronger young man than he was a year ago. So he's taking that to heart uh, as well. So um, lots of lots of positives from his game, other than the fact that, like I said, Northeastern is struggling this year in Hockey East. But um, we're really happy with uh, where he's at in his development. I'm glad to hear that he's he's shooting the puck more. Yeah, it's such a good shot. It's frustrating when you see a player who is mechanically so gifted and he doesn't shoot enough. It's, it reminds me a little bit of Andre Burakovsky when he was developing. Um, my, my question for you is kind of, kind of similar to with Musty. I, I found that one thing with this player is that there's times where there's um, almost like an off switch to recognizing his game in in, in as a whole. Do you feel that there is um, the rate of consistency is going up? as he continues to mature here in college and, and, and how are you feeling about that overall? Yeah. My, my comparison for him and uh, is Troy Terry. Um, Troy Terry in college, Troy Terry didn't want to shoot the puck. He, he refused to shoot the puck. And even when he turned pro, he refused to shoot the puck. What does he do now? He shoots the puck and he scores goals. And that's what Cam has the ability of doing. And Cam is going to have to, he's going to have to learn that part of it. Again, it's not about, you know, we talk about being hard to play against. It's, he's going to have to learn that I can't just swing away from people. I've got to bump into people. I've got to be first on pucks. I got to be, you know, do all the details of what it takes to be hard to play against. And um, again, I, it's a broken record, but these players that are at these, you know, playing at these different player places, they're generally the best players on their team, and they're record their their responsibility is to put up points and put up. Very rarely do you get a player that does the whole package at that age, because they're, they're just not required. They're not held accountable to be able to do that. And when they get to the next level, then they are held accountable because everybody on the team is held accountable. Um, the best of the best get to that point. So, um, but we're really happy with, uh, with where he's at. Um, you know, obviously we'd like to have the team have more success, but you know, Cam's right around a point of game, which is where he should be. Um, he's their go, one of their go-to guys. And, um, you know, we just want him to continue to develop. He's one of those guys, you just have to remind him how big he actually is. Hey, kid, you're 6'2", over 200 pounds. You're allowed yeah. to use it. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, Randy Carlisle used to say, you know, I don't, I don't expect you to run somebody through the boards. His phrase was stop progression. Because if you stop the player's progression that you're on, you're going to be on the other side of him, whether it's defensively or offensively. 
And that's one thing that's always stuck with me. Just stop the player's progression, get inside of him, and then maybe the puck gets back to you and you score the goal and you say to yourself, if I didn't stop that player's progression, maybe I don't get that opportunity. A hundred percent. Well, Todd, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate the insight of your prospects and uh, have a great season. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the rink. Anytime. Thanks, guys. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're speaking with Patrick Williams. HL correspondent for NHL.com and HL.com. We're going to talk about some HL rookies as always. And Patrick, I always like the fact when you get an undrafted rookie in the American League who comes out and makes a bit of a splash for himself and gets himself noticed. So full kudos to Logan Morrison. He's with Coachella Valley Firebirds, Seattle Seattle, uh, farm team. And he had a very good junior career, excellent junior career, Hamilton, uh, last part with Ottawa 67s. And most of the time you think, ah, they're going to come in, play as a 20, and just sort of you know work their way into the American Hockey League. But he didn't do that. He's got 11 points in 15 games. Now, 
for some of the audience members who don't you know, watch the American Hockey League on a regular basis, when a, and I know it's only 15 games, but when a rookie put up, puts up those kind of numbers, that makes you like stand up and take notice. Go, yep. what's going on there? Because that's actually, you know, really impressive production for a young player. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions, misperceptions about um, about the AHL, kind of what it's about and what the skill level is and, and all that. But I think first and foremost, man, it's a league that just grinds, you know, like, yeah, there are no easy games. Like every single guy is either, you know, either trying to get to the NHL or they're trying to stay in the AHL. So everybody has, everybody has a certain agenda there, right? You know, like. Sometimes the guys trying to stay in the AHL are every you know even more driven than the guys trying to get to the NHL because you know the AHL is you know that's a nice life compared it's a nice life as opposed to like going back to the ECHL and having to really grind even more that much more so like yeah a guy coming in like Morrison's interesting because he's twenty one right so in a way he's an overage player but he's not because he missed that COVID year back in twenty twenty one. So, you know, he's a little bit uh, kind of, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, kind of that interesting case of, um, you know, that, that, that class that was kind of, especially the OHL, disrupted. that was disrupted, right? So, you know, he's not your typical 20-year-old rookie, but he's, in a way, he's not your typical overager as well. So uh, I love that he's been able to come in to Coachella Valley. He really good setup there. You have Dan Bosma running the show there as head coach. Um, real good support staff, good resources. Um, and this is what Seattle's doing. I mean, they're, they're, they're finding some of those, you know, you know undrafted players, Ty Cartier. Uh, I mean, they have to, kind of the, yeah. the, the classic example that somebody we've discussed in the past came in as an undrafted player from the OHL, had a monster year, 28 goals last season, uh, got, uh, obviously time with the Seattle Kraken in the playoffs, no less. Had a, a real good, uh, you know, run to the you know, game seven of the finals. So, you know, that's how kind of Seattle's supplementing. You know, only having a couple of draft classes so far, you can find players, you know, elsewhere, you know, and, and start to really, uh, you know, bolster that 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 uh, that base of prospects uh, that you need to have. Let's talk about Brett Berard in, in with yeah. the Hartford Wolfpack and coming out of Providence College, played you know three years, was with the U.S. National. De- development program for two years prior to that he's 21 um just turned 21 actually in september so coming in you know he's a smaller player diminutive but highly skilled intelligent and we know it's such a grind in the american league it's not a you know i'm not saying that it's all grind because there's tons of skill there but it's not a league for the faint of heart and if you're a smaller player it's a great testing ground so if you can survive the american league you should be able to survive the nhl yeah, and it, you know it's not it's not like the American League of the past where you know it was a grind in a much different way where you know you yeah. just yeah, every team was just loaded with heavyweights and you know every every night was going to be just an absolute um, you know punishing um, you know evening for any player you know whether or not you were a fighter. This is a little different now. This is just more just you know tight, heavy checking, a lot of board play, a lot of that that grinding style. Uh, the schedules of the you know demanding Hartford, you know, being where they are in the Eastern Conference, you're trying to get a lot of those three and fours, three and threes. So uh, the schedule there obviously um, quite a bit different from what you would have faced in college. You know, like um, so a guy like Gerard, you know, he's only 21, but you know he already had three years at Providence behind him. So you know he got into that uh, 
the college world early as, as an 18 year old kind of, yeah. you know, a little yeah, bit tough of conference a, hockey. Yeah. East, like some bigger players, you know, playing against some sure. bigger, stronger, faster players that are 21, 22, 23 as an 18 or 19 year old. Yeah. And you know what, you know what I like about him coming into Hartford now, like for, for a long time for the Rangers, Hartford was kind of this, like this no man's land, right? There weren't really prospects. There weren't really vets enough, at least not enough vets. So they were neither really developing nor winning, right? So, I mean, ideally, you're, you know, let's say like a Syracuse for Tampa, you're doing both. You know, that's what Syracuse did for years and years. Um, Hartford was kind of the opposite. You know, it was just kind of a, this like this no man's land. And um, finally, uh, the last couple of years, they really started to put some good young talent in there. You know, for example, you know, this year you had Brendan Hoffman. Last year you had Will Cauley. Now you have Brett Burrard. Yeah, Dylan Grand. You know, you're starting to see some some, some talent percolating in that system. And um, up until a couple of weeks ago, Chris Knobloch was obviously there. You know, now it's over to Steve Smith as the interim. Uh, but yeah, for a guy like Berard uh, coming in, um, again a lot like Morrison, um, you're you're seeing some early encouraging signs. And I like a player. I said this before. I like a player getting some early success behind him. You know, like on um, you know points wise, because I think that helps the rest of the message kind of you know. It's easier to swallow, here, right? Like it's easier to swallow, right? Like it's tough to sell that message of you know, you know, doing all that kind of that, the dirty work, that you know, the two way game, all that kind of stuff. It, you know, play, players need some of that positive reinforcement as well. So, so I like early on what uh, what he's getting uh, and what he's giving there in Hartford. Let's chat about Colton Doc as well. You know, yeah. interesting because he didn't play a lot of games last year. Obviously, he split between Kelowna and Seattle and got into the playoff run with Seattle and, you know, four games at the World Juniors. But he missed some quite a bit of time comparatively. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how that was going to impact him coming into the American Hockey League just in terms of reps. But he's got yeah. 11 games so far with Rockford and he's got 10 points. You know, like now he's thankfully he's a big kid. He's 6'4", he's 200 pounds. So he's got some size to him. Yeah. But that's like almost a point of game is actually really impressive. I just don't want, I don't want to just talk about points, but I mean, like based on what happened to him last year and then him coming in and just like, it's, I don't want to say it was seamless, but yeah, boy, like watching him play, it's just like, Oh, he looks like he's been there a couple of years. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like, so he was, you know, a four-year player in the, in the WHL, but you know, the second year was, the pandemic year. So, you know, he only played, I think around 20, 20 games. games or so. Um, then he, um, his final year, he had the shoulder injury. Um, that's just where it gets disrupted. Now I think for good thing for him was he was able to come back for the playoffs yeah. after that trade over to Seattle. Got to have a good finish to things, you know, and got, you know, some very valuable experience, you know, in a year that, you know, in a lot of ways was, it was, was heavily disrupted. Right. You know, he only had played, you know, 20-something games um, in the regular season, that injury. So then he comes in, he gets injured at training camp with Chicago. It's just like one thing after another. And an ankle injury uh, missed, you know, around the first three or so weeks of the AHL season. Came back, though, and just right off the bat, um, really kind of hit, you know, hit the ground running with Rockford. You know, that's a a team, obviously the Blackhawks are are counting on um, to really churn out some young talent. Um, Doc obviously is as a second round pick is a, is a key part of that. So, um, early on, yeah, encouraging. Um, you know, like I think with any young player, now I want to see him just 
play a good full season, right? Like, especially after last year, having so much, you know, of uh, that disruption, I want to see him, you know, you know, play a full year, go on a good playoff run, uh, really get some games under his belt. I think more than anything he needs to play. Uh, I think if he can do that, um, you know, I think if Blackhawks can even in Rockford, um, let him play. You know, I think that's what the Hawks did. I think that was their goal signing some of those vets was to avoid not having to rush players in, right? You know, I think that was a smart move, you know, in terms of uh, kind of a long-term plan. Doc, I think ideally he stays in Rockford for the year. Maybe you give him a taste here and there of the NHL, you know, depending on how he plays. But, you know, for the most part, you want him there, you know, playing. I want to see him play 15, 20 minutes a night, uh, take on different roles, and then obviously go on a good playoff run. 100%. And I like seeing guys play a couple years in the American League and getting yeah. taste, but, you know, just they got to be the men in a bunch of different situations before you can jump up from that standpoint. Once again, Patrick, great stuff on AHL rookies. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio, but we'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio, powered by Junior Prospect Hockey League. Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're speaking with Mike McMahon. College Hockey Insider, read his sub stack. It's a must read every week. 
as well. He's a senior writer for the College Hockey News. We're talking about college hockey prospects this week. Let's start with Cutter Goche, Boston College. And I think one of the really interesting factors with Cutter going back to BC this year, which I think was the right decision for him and his development, is the fact that he gets to be the man. Yes, the big three came in from the U.S. national program, and they're all on the same line. But the fact of the matter is, when it hits the fan, and it does, Cutter's the guy that you send over the boards as the sentiment to take care of all the heavy lifting. And if you watch BC games early, you saw that they used Cutter to insulate the young line, the kid line, because he's bigger, stronger, faster, meaner, and more you know defensively responsible and a leader in that respect. And I think his, not only his numbers reflect that, but I think his game away from the puck reflects that. And all the heavy lifting he did, particularly in the defensive zone, neutral zones, taking on different assignments until the other guys got their feet wet. Is that what you saw from your perspective? Yeah, it is. And it's interesting, too, because we're talking about a guy that has 12 goals, right? And- yeah. And you almost—I don't—you almost don't even want to focus on that. As, as impressive as that is, it's been his play off the puck. It's been his play as a leader, which, again, like I, I think you saw at times last year. At least I did. Like there were times where it looked like he wanted to take on that role, but it's hard to do as a freshman, especially when you have some senior guys on that team. 100%. They had a, a guy like Marshall Warren who transferred to Michigan State as a grad student. They had a lot of older players, and they still do now. But it's harder as a freshman to take on that leadership role. Even as a sophomore, it can be more difficult, but when you're a guy at his position and you're arguably the best player on the team, it's a little easier to be like, hey, guys, I'm driving this bus a little bit here. And I think we've seen more of that this year, uh, and, I, and I agree with you. I think he's made that transition for those younger players easier. I think he's a guy that when the game's on the line, you want on the ice because of his ability to impact things in all three zones. Yeah, and he's a bigger body that can handle, yeah. like, because, look, we talk about it all the time. It's great to have these young superstar freshmen come in but that when you're playing these bigger, heavier, meaner teams that we've talked about, like you get into the Merrimax and the Providences, and may, they may not be as skilled as a collective group, but they play, you know, a really solid game, right? And a really heavy. hard game. Yeah, heavy yeah. game in that respect. And I think that's really makes a difference from that standpoint. So, And, and like, he's ahead of the curve too. Like yeah. he's at a point in, in, in that standpoint that we usually see players as they enter their junior year and their senior year, he's doing it entering his sophomore year. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I think, you know, it's really intriguing for me to see, you know, he's going to go back to the world juniors, you know, he's going to be able to help that team and the Americans, you know, we haven't done our preview and we won't for a few weeks, but I think based on the players they could bring, they're going to be the favorite and he's going to be one of the headliners for that as well. So, you know, interested to see what, he continues to do after world juniors and get down, down the stretch run. Let's talk about another player in Dylan Duke, Tampa Bay draft pick, you know, a later round pick for, you know, sort of mid later round pick fourth round, you know, Tampa Bay lightning, uh, Michigan Wolverine. And now he's in his third year. So he's in his junior year. And I think it was really important for him. There was a lot of other players around Michigan that were like more highly profile. And I think it was really important for Dylan to get the opportunity to be more, of a man and take more of a prominent role. And I think certainly because, you know, 18 points in 16 games, he's done that. And he was a guy who needed to come back and play that third year. I thought last year he had a really good, he had a really good season. And I think this is some, 
you know, an opportunity for him to play a bigger role in a lot of different situations. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too. I felt like he emerged towards the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that was playing really well in the NCAA tournament as they were going into the frozen four, had a couple of big goals in the playoffs, had a goal against Minnesota in the playoffs in the big 10 tournament. Uh, I think he had a goal against Colgate. I mean, they, they had a lot of goals against Colgate. Michigan did in that NCAA tournament game, but he had a couple of points in that game too. Uh, played really well, even you know against Quinnipiac in their semifinal game. I don't think he ended up on the score sheet there, but still played a good hard game. And he really emerged as the games got to be their most difficult last year, which was important and also said something about, it was almost kind of a precursor to the year that he's having, uh, especially yes. now that his role's expanded with some of those guys that have graduated and moved on. Yeah, no, and for him, you know, he's in a with a really good organization in Tampa Bay. Obviously, they understand how to develop players. And yes, you know, with the NCAA regulations, they don't get obviously at the same time they would with junior players or European players. But, they, you know, they certainly talk to him and keep tabs on him and watch his games and do evaluations. And, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but Tampa Bay's not worried about that in terms they're really looking for intelligent players who play with pace and are hard to play against. And you can be hard to play against when you're not big. It's like, are yeah. you like consistently, you know, attacking, you know, attacking the player? Like you can just go after pucks, go after, you know, on the back check, you know, be relentless, high pace. And like that just, you know, you look at a guy like Todd Marchant. Was he a big, big guy? But no, but man, he was like great speed and just relentless. So, you know, I'm not saying Duke's going to be exactly like that, but it's just sometimes you get caught in thinking, oh, you know, if you're going to play, you have to play a certain style to be like tough to play against. And you don't necessarily have to be in that respect. So curious to see what Dylan Duke's going to do, you know, through the rest of the season. And he's a 20 year old, so you won't be able to get back to, you know, go to the world juniors. But again, but I think he's going to be real catalyst for Michigan down the stretch. Let's talk about Lane Hudson. And honestly, I think if he was drafted in a smaller NHL market, like say Nashville or Columbus or Arizona, I don't think you would hear the hype about him, but because he's been drafted by the Montreal Canadiens and the the (laughs) Canadian media has got a hold of him, um, it's been utterly relentless in that respect. So yes, offensively brilliant in many respects and once again has over a point of game as a defenseman, you know, and I think it was necessary for him to come back. I think it might even be better for him to come back for a third year. And I, I know a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people say, Oh no, he should come out, but I'm not interested in whether he's special offensively. I'm interested in whether he can be special defensively because mm-hmm. you're going to have to defend in the NHL and you look at smaller defensemen, that are really successful, the Sam Gerrards, uh, you know, the Jared Spurgeons, um, you know, Matt Grizzlicks, you know, he's going to have to take a page out of those guys' playbook. Otherwise, because offense simply just isn't enough, because how often do you have the puck in the NHL? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the smaller defensemen like, you know, you know, Hughes, but, you know, in Vancouver, but, you know, how many defensemen are like that? So, yeah. you know, that's something that we have to really think about. And, you know, I think the emphasis for him this year is really what can I do defensively? Because the offense is just going to come anyway. Like, he's going to be a point-of-game defenseman easily. Easily. Mm-hmm. 
right? Easily. And then yeah. easy. And then get a chance to go play in the World Juniors, which I think is going to be another great opportunity for him as well. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing with him is just size and strength. You know, when when we're talking about the D zone stuff, it's really it's size and strength because he's not a big guy. Like you pointed out, uh, if if there is an area where he has to grow, it's those battles along the boards. It's the ability to dig out pucks, win those one-on-one battles against a guy who's 6'2", 220, who might outweigh him by 40 pounds and have three, four inches on him. Offensively, he's going to score plenty of points. I mean, there, I'm, I don't know in, geez, almost, not to date myself here, but almost 20 years, that I've seen a defenseman in college hockey with the ability to get the puck through traffic as good as Lane Hudson. And other there's been a maybe, lot of good defensemen yeah, that have come through Kale college hockey. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's the deceptiveness he has at the blue line when the pucks on his stick is impressive. He gets more pucks through than almost anybody I've ever seen. Uh, it, the one area where he really needs to grow, and it's not that he's bad defensively because he's got quick feet. He can cover a lot of ground. Good to stick. me, it's just size and strength. You know, he's yeah. got a good, it's strength in front of the net because as he progresses, whether it's in the American League or, or certainly in the NHL, those guys are going to be even bigger and even stronger than what he's facing now. So uh, that's the area where he needs to grow the most. I think he recognizes that too. Uh, it's a big reason why I'm sure he's back. And it's a big reason why I think I agree with you. I think even him coming back for a, a third year is not out of the question. 100%. So I'm curious to see what he does in the world juniors. And then obviously through the stretch run after Christmas. But once again, Mike, thank you very much for coming on the show. Great insight on the college prospects. Look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. 
Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now speaking with Pat Malloy in our regular development segment. Pat, thanks for coming on the show today. And the topic this week is creating pockets of time for high-performance touches. So break that down into layman's terms for the rest of us of what that specifically means. And does that also change over time with a player as they continue to progress in that area? Yeah. I mean, basically the concept behind it is, you know, the value of a player of a prospect can often be drawn back to the success rate of the things, the quality of their first touch, their first touch of the puck. And, you know, really the mindset being, does it improve um, what happens next? Meaning, you know, am I able to move the puck to a teammate in control, um, you know, from a possession standpoint, or can I extend my possession until a more favorable play uh, proposes itself? And so really the idea behind the quality of a first touch is, is we want to look at the idea of, do the things you do upon contact with the cut, the puck, do they, do they wind up being something that helps your team, um, your line mates and yourself, uh, or is it, you know, does it continue the chase? And so, you know, the idea of do the things that we do create time or cost time, do they create advantage for us or for the defender? And so um, really focusing on the idea of taking a look at, um, what happens as a result of my involvement in the play is, is what we really try to develop with when it comes to, especially the prospects, because anytime you jump to another level, so you, you know, you're talking about a junior age player and trying to make a, a dent in the national hockey league, you know, the quality of the things they do upon the first touch of the puck are often the difference between playing time opportunity uh, and not. Pat, when you, when discussing the quality of the, the first touch of the puck, is the basis of it centered around making sure the prospect basically remains on balance? For sure. Uh, you know, you don't want to have it that the puck doesn't move and you get stuck and you're into a battle sequence. So really sort of to define the two things, it becomes possession or distribution. Um, so, you know, from a controllable possession standpoint, can I move it to higher percentage space? Um, via, you know, my own movement, or can I move it, you know, via pass to a a teammate that's in a better, higher percentage space to continue possession and on the, you know, to generate the next play Um, in, you know, in both cases, the the best scenario is the one that enhances our team's ability to generate a favorable next play. And so, you know, some of what goes into that, you know, I really try to itemize the skill habit and detail portion when talking to players about, you know, what skills are involved, you know, whether it's their activated basis skating so that they are on balance and they're not, you know, taken into a battle sequence where they're just, you know, trying to maintain footing acceleration and lateral movement, you know, their puck protection skills in a, in a carry versus handle concept, and then multiple threat posture that, you know, we've touched on before from a details perspective. One of the things we like to talk a lot about is speed differential deceptiveness and movements, misinformation, weight shifts, little things that allow me or afford me time to contribute to a better first touch. So if I'm waiting until we, you know, we get to the puck in order to try to do something on that first touch, it's probably too late. 
And then from uh, the habit perspective, you know, things that we'll look to, to really highlight with, with players would be threat assessments, which would, you know, a, a fancier way of saying shoulder checks, pre-puck movement, things that, you know, get people um, doing things they don't want to do via your deceptive movement or your pre-puck movement. And then an attack mentality with the idea of, you know, off puck vision and dictating terms of play and really having selected, you know, heading toward the puck, having an idea of what I want to do with it. And I've done everything I could, if you will, to set the table to, to have the most amount of success upon first touch. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Pat Malloy in their player development segment. The topic in this segment is creating pockets of time for high-performance touches. Now, Pat, you did mention, and I'm, I'm interested, you were talking about high-percentage next next options so when you're evaluating a player you know how much do you take into account that a player will like to push the envelope and you know occasionally will will push put the puck or will carry the puck into perhaps more of a low percentage like high risk high reward situation and it's almost like a boxer initially in the first couple rounds you know, trying to find the weaknesses and the chinks in the armor of the players they're playing against. So when you're evaluating that on a player, how much do you take that into consideration Then talk to the player about what were you seeing there and were you doing this or not? So then you, this or this situation, so you understand what's going on in the player's head in those situations. 100%. I mean, we'll, we'll go through video together and just look at varying scenarios. And I like to key on key in on, on things that they do uh, with a high occurrence rate. So what do you do a lot? And then I like to look at how much of it works and how much of it doesn't. And so that gives me some insight when a player says, well, I think I had this or I think I have that. And it kind of gives me an entry point to say, all right, you know, if we're doing this a lot, but it works a low percentage of the time, there's an opportunity. If we're doing something a lot and we don't, um, or if we're doing something a lot, if there's a play that we try a lot and our success rate is, is very low percentage, it's a problem. If we do something not a lot, but the success rate is really high when we do do it, it tells another story. And so, you know, we like to look at events that they, they do a lot of with success and lack of things that they don't do enough of that, you know, oftentimes you can show, you know, if, if we were more adept at being able to identify and, and use these sorts of things, um, for instance, accessing parts of the ice, you know, does, does my ability on touch, first touch, to get a puck to a higher percentage area of the ice that creates either quality shot opportunities or, um, you know, quality distribution to a person in an even better spot to shoot the puck, it all really comes down to things that happen a lot and then if we're going to do something a lot, we want to make sure that we recognize, is it something that's you know helpful to my game and helpful to my line and to my team? Or is it something that we do a lot of, but there's really no impact on performance? And so it's always about making sure we're working on things that help push the needle to performance. Because if you're, you're working on something and it doesn't occur, or it's not translatable in terms of success within the game, you know, the, the real question becomes, why are you working on it? 
Now, you mentioned the term misinformation. Uh, I, sometimes I use the term deception. Do you like to incorporate misinformation or deceptive play uh, at the beginning phase of when the first, uh, when when a prospect touches the puck at first, or do you prefer incorporating it in the later phases, or is it, does it depend uh, depending on where you are in the ice relative to the position of defense, or how how do you go about looking to incorporate misinformation into this initial touching? You know, I I really like players to to adopt a mindset of a time saved or a time created is time earned. Maybe I'm showing my age a little bit there. My grandfather always used to say to me, a penny saved is a penny earned. Well, I've sort of coined that idea with regard to creating space in hockey. Time saved is time earned. So, you know, a lot of times prior to puck possession is when I'm, I'm asking players to focus on getting people leaning the wrong way, creating and recognizing triggers to get people to do things they're trained and they don't want to do, they're coached not to do, because if that creates that small pocket of time that gives me the opportunity to increase the the percentage of the next play that I make or the effectiveness of the next play, um, then that's a good thing. If I'm waiting till I've got skating control of a puck to try to then be deceptive, it's, it's, it's often too late. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that interesting. And you can see in other sports how that um, can be related back to player development in hockey. I think sometimes we don't look outside our own sport enough. um, And I relate that a lot of that to wide receivers in football and how critical it is for them to have deception um, pre and like pre-snap and then after snap and depending on the move. So I always find that really fascinating. But we're going to take another break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We come back, we'll continue to talk about player development with Pat Malloy right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. 
Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Our final guest is Dr. Kevin Willis. And Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the show. For many hockey players, the junior and levels above, Dr. Willis, thank you, thank you for coming on the show. We always appreciate it. Love doing this. Yes. So this week, as we continue on with your book, uh, Grit, Grind, and Mind, uh, in Chapter 3, this chapter is fascinating, and this section partic- particularly for me is about perception. And the topic in this segment is evaluating personal expectations. And I always find perception fascinating. You know, I've had the question asked me asked to me in jo- in a job interview: is well, what would your friends say about you? And I'm like, which friend? Because they're all going to say something different because I mean something different to each one of my friends and each of us bring something to our individual relationships. What So like it's very much in tune with your own brain chemistry and you're friends with people for a long, if you're friends with somebody for a long time, I think, well, biologically, you are providing something to them and they're providing something to you that you need. Like you yeah. need that. Yeah. It's not just like I like him because he's a good guy or he's, she's a great she's a great person. There's actually like a biological need there. So I think that always like, you know, perception and evaluating personal expectations. Do you find in the younger players uh, specifically that they have a hard time evaluating their own personal expectations or interpreting those personal expectations from other people because they they simply just don't have the well-rounded life experience that sometimes it's necessary to do that. Now, sometimes there's some unicorns out there that kids, I'm like, I swear I'm speaking to a 50 year old who's been like a a world traveler, but you know, that's a bit of more of a rarity from, you know, from your, you know, personal experience and, you know, in in the clinical standpoint, um, speak to a little bit of that circumstance. Well, I think I think the most important thing, and, and we talked a little bit about this last week, and this idea of perception is sort of self-awareness, right? Do I know who I am? Do I know what I bring to the table? Do I am I am I honest and am am I realistic about who I am and what I can do? Because there's a, a fair amount of frustration and anxiety that can result if I'm if I'm sort of clueless as to my ability or as to my potential, you know, in certain circumstances. And so the young person I find maybe doesn't get so, so hung up in that. And when I say young, I mean, you know, your peewees and, and maybe even down, down your squirts and stuff like that. But I think once you start getting into, you know, that Bantam age group and you're 14, 15, 16 year olds, you, you better know who you are. You better have taken some time, and been honest about it as to who you are, what you can do, what you can accomplish, and where you can go in this game. And so what I do is I I just help these 
people learn how to check in that you'll hear me say that a thousand times, check in with yourself, check in with yourself. And what I mean is I need you to just take a minute and, and just check in with your feelings, check in with your thoughts, check in with where you're at in this moment right now, because you're getting ready to do something, whether it's to play a game or to practice or, you know, hit the gym or whatever it is. If you want to be, if you want to be optimal in that situation, then you need to be able to check in with yourself and, and know who you are and what you're doing. Now, as far as the expectations go, oh my gosh, I think I would say almost all of the uh, frustrations that I find in in hockey, well, in anything, but I, you know, specifically in hockey, are around this idea of expectations, right? Because we we expect things, right? We, we are going into a situation and we believe this is how it's going to turn out. And if you've lived, you know, even a few years on this earth, you know that a lot of times that's not what happens. There, there are a lot of times when the thing that I expect to happen doesn't happen. And so are you able to deal with that? Now, obviously the expectation going in is going to sort of set the bar and your ability to sort of handle um, whether you were able to hit that expectation or you maybe fell short or maybe you blew past it, um, your ability to sort of manage that is what sort of plays into future expectations. But, you know, I, I think, you know, with you guys and, and your ability to scout and your ability to see the best in players, it's interesting what they see in themselves and what they're expecting to bring to the ice, you know, every time they, they step on the rink. Uh, thanks for coming on, Kevin. One thing I, I find really interesting about expectations is what happens when unreal, unrealistic expectations can develop frustration, and then that frustration can lead to a not only a decrease in performance, but overall burnout. Can you talk about expectations and how they correlate to a burnout effect for a hockey player? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because it's, it's such a fine line between a high expectation and an unrealistic expectation. A high expectation is really pulling the best out of, out of a player, right? It's really getting the most that they have. It's, it's forcing them to work hard and to, to go into those uncomfortable areas because we think you have it. So that, that high expectation is something that I never want to discourage ever. I really need people to set high expectations and go for it, right? But it's 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 pretty easy just to sort of go a little bit too far. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but who, who has ever done that, right? Who has ever accomplished what you believe you can accomplish right now? So now we're into this unrealistic realm. And those, you know, Folks that don't un that don't understand that balance between a high expectation and unrealistic expectation, you're exactly right, Brad. You can you can burn people out. You can crush their confidence. You can get you can get them to give up, even when they're so close. They, with just a little bit of effort, they can they can you know cross that finish line, so to speak. But for whatever reason, they they just quit right as they get there and they don't know otherwise. So, you know, I talk about high expectations. I talk about low expectations. They can be just as damaging, right? Not pushing yourself hard enough, not trying to get the most out of yourself because maybe you have low self-esteem or maybe you're just, you know, having a bad day. Um, but low expectations and unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, I think are killers. High expectations are my favorite. And, and I think the way you know it's a high expectation is that it stretches you, right? It stretches you to your max but it doesn't break you. It doesn't break you. And I think that's super important as well. I find that this subject matter really fascinating. 
you know, not only just internally, of course, but then especially if you like you end up having children and you're as a parent, you have your expectations for your child. Um, but then you have, you know, you better recognize. And I think being a parent is no different than being a coach or an evaluator. Like you're in a position of evaluating uh, a person and not forcing what you think should be pushed upon them and allowing that that journey to sort of unfold in itself, but then just mentor them through their process. And so that they can evaluate their own personal expectations effectively, instead of it having just this crazy notion of what you're going to do. And it's so uneven. Well, the, the thing about super high expectations coming from the outside is that the player will sort of adopt that. They're, they're thinking, well, if my, my dad thinks I can do that, my coach thinks I can do that, if my mom thinks I can do that, if my, my line mate thinks I can do that, then I, I should be able to do that, right? Well, and so maybe you bump your expectation up. And that's okay if it's bumping it up and making it high, high that stretches you. But what if you bump it up and now it's unrealistic? And I hate to say this and parents are going to get pissed at me, but I think parents, because they don't understand this game, they've not been on the ice. They've not done this. Not, not, not all. Obviously, there's a lot of parents that have played hockey and understand the game. But they're also, you know, that was years and years and years ago. And unfortunately, our memory isn't quite as clear uh, down the road when we've got kids. And so what ends up happening is that we sort of set these expectations on top of these kids because we want them to, to strive and to reach for these big things. But if the kid is not understanding that, oh, this, that's within me, that's, that's possible, then that, that high expectation feels like a weight, feels like an anchor, right? Literally dragging down. So it has the opposite effect. Uh, so yeah, expectations come from inside of us and it comes from outside of us. And it's just the awareness. We've got to understand that our expectations, you know, if we're ever frustrated, if we're ever pissed off, whatever, stop and think, okay, so what did I think was going to happen here? I bet you a dollar to donut that what you thought was going to happen and what's actually happening, there's a giant gap. And that's why you're frustrated. That's why you're irritated. That's why you're anxious. Right. And it's just a matter of, of being aware, aware of that and then being able to manage that. Thank you, Dr. Willis. Uh, this has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey and Junior Prospect Hockey League and Fractal Hockey Consulting and Outside Edge Player Development. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast network or YouTube and follow us on Twitter at HP Radio and HockeyProspectRadio.com. Thank you to all our guests, and we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat, Every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all in one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.